Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued our coverage of the direct examination of alleged victim Lauren Kanarek, including her account of the moment when Michael Barrison shot her and the playing for the jury of the 911 call she made to the Washington Township Police Department. On today's installment, we examine the rest of Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn's direct examination of Ms. Kanarek, including her testimony after her 911 call was played for the jury. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We concluded our last installment by playing the 911 call initiated by Lauren Kanarek immediately after the defendant shot her. We begin today by replaying our recap of the contents of that call. Kanarek says she's been shot in the heart. In shock, she repeats her address. Please help, please help, she pleads. The operator cannot understand the address. Kanarek repeats it and then says she's been shot twice and has lost a lot of blood. Again, as the operator tries to get the town name, Kanarek says she's losing a lot of blood and abruptly stops talking. As the operator asks for the caller's phone number, a male voice comes on the line. It is the voice of Kanarek's boyfriend, Richard Goodwin, who says, quote, A man came here with a fucking gun. I've got him detained right now, end quote. Goodwin then shouts a demand which is unclear. Perhaps he is demanding that the ambulance arrive immediately. The operator says she needs some information, and Goodwin responds, quote, You need information? Are you fucking crazy? End quote. Goodwin asks whether someone is coming and explains that he is only five foot six and the guy he is restraining is six foot three. The operator entreats Goodwin to stay on the line and says that an officer is on the way. We hear continued barking and some struggling as the operator asks what type of weapon was involved. Goodwin says he has no idea what kind of weapon. It's underneath him. I'm not touching it, he says. As the operator asks how many shots were fired, Goodwin responds three or four. Goodwin tries to calm and secure the barking dog while still restraining Barrison. The operator asks what time the shots were fired and then tries to find out how many people were involved. Though it's difficult to make out, Goodwin appears to say that Barrison fired at him and his girlfriend, Lauren, and affirms that there was just one person shooting. Goodwin starts yelling at Barrison, who appears to be struggling. Goodwin tells the operator that Barrison still has the gun in his hands. Goodwin then identifies the shooter by name as Michael Barrison, white, six foot four. Then he says to the operator that Barrison is moving and that he has to put the phone down. At this point, Goodwin stops speaking to the operator. We hear shouting and struggling that lasts for approximately 80 seconds. 
During the struggle, we hear a voice that we will later learn is Corporal Hymer saying, quote, don't you fucking move or I will fucking kill you. Do you understand me? End quote. We then hear Kanarak again say, I'm shot. The remaining minute or so of the recording is a jumble of threats and shouts by police officers as they restrain Barrison and try to treat Ms. Kanarak. After the 911 call concludes, Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn renews his direct examination of Lauren Kanarak. Judge Stephen Taylor presides. Was the voice that we heard at the beginning yours? Yes. Who was the second voice, the man's voice that we heard? Roberts. When you were making that or on that phone call with the 911 operator, at some point, did you give the phone to Rob or did he take it from you? Took it from me, I'm pretty sure. Do you remember what was going on at that point? Yes. What did you see? I saw, as I said before, I saw Michael run upstairs towards where I had seen Rob disappear. And when I started going over there after I had seen the two of them, which I saw Robert on top of Michael, the first thing that I saw was that Michael had the gun directly underneath him. And Rob was on top of him with, I believe, he had Michael's left arm, like just held behind his back and he was over him. And the only thing I kept seeing though, other than that, was that there was that gun right there, just right there. And if Rob had let go or something, couldn't keep hold of anymore, it would be so easy for Michael to just get that gun and fire more shots. Did, did you do anything when you saw this happening? I did. Um, in a sort of like walk, crawl motion, I approached the porch area to where they were. I don't, I don't exactly remember whether they were like on the porch or on the pavement, just below the you know two or so stairs. And the first thing that I actually did was I tried to dial 911 from my phone, except with the phones back in 2019, my arms had actually started bleeding. Well. They weren't bleeding. My chest was bleeding so badly that my arms and hands actually had so much blood on them that I couldn't open my phone. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I can't dial 911. Can't dial 911. And I heard Rob screaming, Michael, stop moving. Stop moving. Like repeatedly saying this. And on my trip up to where they were, near to where they were, I just remember that gun being there and how close it was to Michael and how easy it would be for him to get it. So I, at some point during all of this, decided to take my phone and I just, I felt myself losing energy. But in spite of that, I took my phone and I started hitting Michael on the side of the head with it, thinking that maybe this will help if he's, Mike, if Robert is losing his grip on Michael and he gets that gun, we're gonna die. So I just took my phone and started hitting him on the side, like the sort of the side that he was facing. And my phone ended up breaking in the process of that. When the defendant shot you, do you remember approximately how far away you were from him? Three, three, four feet, not even. The dog uh, that we heard barking, was that the same dog that you looked at a picture of earlier? Yes. Do you remember when the police uh, or first responders arrived at the scene? It seemed like instant. In in, oh, instantaneously, almost. I was actually shocked. I called 911 and it was almost like, it felt like seconds, I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt like it, instantaneously, there was an officer that had arrived on the scene. It wasn't like 30 minutes had passed, in yeah. other words. Do you remember what happened when the officer got there? Uh, I do sort of remember. I remember that the officer had separated Michael and Robert. 
um, I believe he like made sure the gun. I don't remember if he if he like tried to see if there was a bolt in there and uh, separated them, but he definitely did some kind of motion to that effect, and then got the gun and its pieces out of the way, uh, separated Robert and Michael, and then basically said to Michael. You know, he was, I guess, still trying to move. Said, you know, if you keep moving, I'm going to fucking kill you. Excuse my French, just quoting what the officer said. Do you remember when other officers and emergency medical arrived? Again, like, it seemed to me like almost instantaneously. Officer one was there, and then it was like officers were there in general. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Prosecutor Shellhorn next asks Ms. Kanarek about her memories of being transported away from the Barrisone farm. Do you remember leaving the property? After, I remember, I'm trying to think. I remember getting into a something, into the, I guess, a, um, like an EMT van or whatever. I don't remember if I actually left the property or not. When you say uh, getting into... Did you get in on your own power, or were you put there? I must have been put there because I don't actually remember going in. I just know that I was in there because I, at some point, opened my eyes and realized I was in a... I wasn't even really sure what I was in. I'm assuming it was an EMT van. I had, like, a one flash of waking up and seeing that and thinking, I guess I'm not dead. What's the next thing you remember? The next thing I remember is waking up and... I was in ICU, and I had no clue how I got there or how long I'd been there. Um, I just opened my eyes and almost immediately just felt pain through my body. I didn't immediately see anyone. And then I saw a nurse, and I realized I think I'm in the hospital, but didn't know how long I'd been there. Were you connected to any medical machines or anything like that? I can't imagine that there's an, a less amount of medical machines that one could be connected to when I woke up. I had... So I don't want to say Muppets, like mitts on my hands. And that's like one of the first things I noticed was, why am I wearing mitts? I'm sure there's a lot more for me to worry about, but that's what I thought. And I noticed that uh, both my arms had like IV drains and things going through them. And then I noticed I couldn't talk or breathe or really, I, I just couldn't make a noise. Yeah. At the time, I wasn't sure. I just was... I, I don't even know how to describe it. Did you have anything connected to your mouth? Or your I did. I had a ventilator in my mouth, but at the time I didn't realize what that was. I just realized, like, it felt like I was like, just something was stuffed down my throat. I had things all over my body and I couldn't cry out for help or, you know, say, somebody, what am I doing here? It was just like surreal, surreal. How did you feel when you regained consciousness and, and realized all these things? I felt a combination of things. I felt a combination of afraid, 
for some reason still and angry and a little bit um like wondering if if it was at all real like did i die am i like in limbo right now or am i really in a hospital no idea what was going on i knew i remember there like, i did remember there was a shooting but i i just didn't recognize any surroundings and i didn't immediately see any human being so i didn't know what what, what was going on i didn't know if i was about to die in five seconds or whether there had been you know surgery i just didn't know what was going on how did you come later to find out that you were at morristown hospital i did how long were you at Morristown Hospital before you were discharged, approximately? I want to say approximately three weeks. Are you still recovering? Yeah. How so? Well, I still have, from I say, like, here, over, and even a little bit to the right of that, just build up of scar tissue inside and outside my body. Another thing is... And I don't mean to put you on the spot. So okay. put you on a show, but okay. if you could just stand up because you were gesturing and just because we have jurors back here, so you could just show them the areas where you're gesturing to on your body that you have. Ms. Kanarek stands and begins to pull up her white black striped shirt, but the prosecutor and Judge Stephen Taylor quickly clarified that the witness should point out over her clothes the locations of the scars from her wounds and her surgeries. You don't have to show. show no, you, you, you don't have to show us, man. Just just point out where that so is, please. Right here. The witness points to her navel area. There are three giant holes where tubes were placed in my body, like about that size in a diameter. There's a scar, a giant scar going all the way up here. Ms. Kanarek moves her finger up her abdomen to the base of her rib cage and then around the left side of her torso on a horizontal line towards her back. Which goes around my belt. There's a, a scalpel mark around my belly button. It then continues up this way, goes around this whole left like breast area, around to all the way to my back shoulder blade. And that is where the exit wounds are. So there's still those that are visible, as well as two entry root wounds, which after now it's been two and a half years or a bit later, but pretty much this whole side of my body is Mrs. Frankenstein, which mowed me. And I'm just gonna show you one picture that we marked as S388. And I only uh, show you this picture because you described where you got shot in the chest so the jury can understand where those gunshot wounds are. Is it all right if I display that, Judge? Yes, it's in evidence. On the court's TV screen, we see a photo of the upper left side of Ms. Kanarek's torso. Her hand screens her breast. We see the scars she has described up the middle of her belly and around her abdomen, and the two bullet hole scars above her left breast. Approximately how long after the shooting was this take, this photo taken? I'm saying a month or two, maybe. And are the two gunshot wounds from when Michael Barrison shot you, do we see those on this picture? Yes. Can you just tell the jury specifically where they are? They are to the right of the necklace. One, two. To clarify, the scars are on the right side of the photo, but they are on Ms. Kanarek's left side. And you said you had two other gunshot wounds on your back from where the bullet went through? Bullets went through? Correct. Have you at some point since the defendant shot you been able to start riding horses again? Thankfully, yes. Are you riding at the same level that you were at the time that the defendant shot you? No, I will train, you know, some of the movements, but it's 
to the point pretty much where the trainers that I have now have come up with like different contraptions actually to help keep my left shoulder blade from falling forward. And I mean, when you're riding, you want to be upright and be able to use your body correctly to give the horse the correct cues and aids and show that you're the one giving the instructions. That can't happen when you have almost one whole side of your body that wants to collapse every time you try to stand up, try to sit up straight, basically. And I'm going to show you what's been marked in evidence as S402A. Is that a photo that you posted on your Facebook page? Yes. Well, who is in that photo? On the left is Michael Barrasone. I am on the horse and standing in front of me is my mother. And did you post that photo in April of 2019? I believe, uh, I believe so. It was like a photo challenge on Facebook to show. Does it indicate there it was uploaded April 7, 2019? I'm not sure where I'm looking. Oh, there's a yes. It does say that. It was. I, I'm not sure if it was uploaded at that time or if it was used at that time for what we just saw was like a Facebook challenge to post, I guess, a time with specialty with a horse or whatever it said. And what was special about this time with this horse, with these people? This is a time when this specific horse had just sometime recently come over from um, Europe. I forgot which area of Europe. Yeah, this specific horse had come. He had come. We'd gone to a show and I was working towards um, earning my bronze medal. And at that point, I just gotten one more of the scores I needed to complete that medal. And so we're kind of all smiling, celebrating the fact that I not only achieved the score, but went well, well and over the score needed to achieve it. I don't think I have any further questions at this time. Thank you. All right, very good. Given the hour, direct examination is done. Sounds like a good time to break for lunch, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll take our lunch and recess now until come back about 125 or so, and we'll get started shortly thereafter with cross-examination. Thank you. And with that, we bring to a close this installment of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Please join us on our next installment for the beginning of defense attorney Edward Belinkus's cross-examination of alleged victim Lauren Kanarak. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>